there were about 100,000 deaths that came from that original surge. All of the rest of them, in my mind, could have been mitigated or decreased substantially. That's what bothers me. Yeah, that's what bothers me too, Dr. Deborah Burks. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. But thanks for mentioning. I got the feeling that something right. How many could we have said? I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Who should we blame? And I'm how I'll get down the stairs. Who can we charge? Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding, on uh, KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel. Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Hey, by the way, it's exactly one year until the 2022 midterm elections when 34 Senate seats, 36 governorships, and all 435 seats in the U.S. House will be up for grabs that day. Desi Doyen, are you ready? No. I I, am almost ready. uh Uh-huh. No, (laughs) uh, me neither. Anyway, uh, welcome to the broadcast. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, We've got got a guest today who will be very familiar, I suspect, to broadcast listeners, uh, if only because he has a show on many of the very same affiliate stations that we do and because I have appeared on his show so many times over the years. Um, But let's start here. On last Friday's show, we spoke with constitutional law expert John Boniface, co-founder and president of the Good Government Accountability Group, freespeechforpeople.org, about their call issued last week for Joe Biden's attorney general, Merrick Garland, to resign. Uh, That due to his failure uh, uh, for bringing accountability, any accountability to top level members of the previous administration, including Donald Trump himself, despite the endless list of very well documented crimes carried out by the former president and his cronies. You can, of course, download that show if you missed my interview with John uh, at bradblog.com anytime. But those crimes, obviously, it's a very long list. Uh, But as Boniface cited, some of those crimes, such as the criminal conspiracy 
that uh, federal prosecutors have said in court that Donald Trump directed, which resulted in his personal lawyer, conspirator Michael Cohen, uh, serving time in federal prison as part of Trump's hush money payoffs to Stormy uh, to porn star Stormy Daniels. That's just one. And it's one that the prosecutors have already settled, essentially, because they have already said when they sentenced Michael Cohen that Donald Trump directed that criminal conspiracy. There's also at least 10 different instances of obstruction of justice identified um, by the then sitting president uh, that was identified by special counsel Robert Mueller, detailed in his report on the Russia investigation, for which Mueller said Donald Trump, yes, could be charged after he was no longer in office. He said as much in, under oath in Congress. Those crimes had already been thoroughly investigated and could have been charged against Trump almost immediately, Bonifaz told me. And that was all stuff before the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, which a uh, 57 to 43 majority of the U.S. Senate found was, in fact, incited by Donald Trump himself during his uh, second impeachment trial. That was determined by a majority of the U.S. Senate. I know they like to say, oh, he was acquitted of the charges. Well, no, actually, uh, he was found guilty by a 57 vote majority including a bunch of folks in his own party. Those crimes, of course, are just the tip of the iceberg as we wait to learn if former Donald Trump advisor Steve Bannon will be charged with criminal contempt of Congress after the U.S. House voted to make the referral to the DOJ more than two weeks ago now for his refusal to comply with a lawful congressional subpoena issued by the U.S. House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack. That, even as the last time that anything akin to this happened, way back during the Reagan administration, the Department of Justice brought charges against uh, the person who was found in contempt of Congress in about eight days after the referral was handed to them. The free speech for people letter that John Boniface was here talking about was uh, cited by renowned Harvard law professor Uh, Lawrence Tribe, who described it as written by, quote, serious and responsible people. And he said that, quote, DOJ must take note. The letter began this way. Over the past 30 years, Merrick Garland served with distinction as a federal prosecutor and then as an appellate judge. Unfortunately, as attorney general for the past eight months, he has failed to take any meaningful action to hold accountable former President Donald Trump and his co-conspirators for attempting to overthrow the government on January 6, 2021, and a flurry of criminal acts in the months and years leading up to that date. Instead, he has adopted indefensible positions of the Trump Department of Justice to protect Trump from accountability. Since Garland is unwilling to step up, they write, it is time for him to step down. And that was on Friday. I'm curious if listeners concur with the uh, the new campaign from Free Speech for People. Uh, and I want to open up the line, the phone lines to that question a little bit later in the show at 818-985-5735. If you want to queue up right now, 818-985-KPFK. But first, you know, I, I, I made a. Uh, Well, I made quite a few references in the closing months of the Trump administration uh, when the COVID pandemic was at its worst. 
uh, with a president seemingly ignoring the entire thing, trying to pretend it away or suggest that injecting bleach into our bodies might somehow end the scourge which had, which had killed about 600,000 Americans on his watch and has now wiped out more than 750,000 of our population in total as of last week. I spoke more than once about my hope that Donald Trump would at some point be held accountable, sure, for all of those other things that I mentioned, but for also what I saw as criminal negligence bordering on mass homicide in his horrific, lie-fueled handling of the epidemic. But that is one topic that did not come up in my conversation with John Boniface last week, or that I have even seen hashed out much, if at all, in the media, at least until now. Last week, our friend Tom Hartman, who I suspect most of our listeners here may well uh, may know very well by now, he began to lay out a case for exactly that in his Hartman Report newsletter headlined, Are Trump and His Cronies Guilty of Mass Murder? Observing, uh, and I would argue uh, absolutely correctly observing that, quote, if a half a million people had died unnecessarily while Obama was in office, you know how the GOP would react. After all, they held four plus years of hearings over Benghazi and hounded Bill Clinton for years. Of course, Tom is right. He goes on to cite uh, the more than 700,000 people who have, quote, died an agonizing, terrifying, drowning in their own fluids death, their relatives helpless, saying goodbye using Zoom or FaceTime, families broken and shattered, husbands, wives, children and grandchildren left bereft, doctors, nurses and physicians assistants dying along with them or holding their hands as they drew their final tortured breath. As the leader of Trump's own COVID task force, Dr. Deborah Burks recently conceded to Congress reportedly in closed door sworn testimony, many of those deaths, more than 130,000 of them, were absolutely unnecessary. They happened because of decisions made by a small group of people led by Donald Trump. Tom writes, if you or I made any decision grounded in the desire to gain a political or other type of benefit that caused even one single person to die, we'd be on our way to prison. He contends, look at the pe- look at people who simply decide to text while driving and then they kill a pedestrian. Prison. Tom Hartman is right, of course, but can this be pinned to Donald Trump himself? And even so, would our DOJ, led by Merrick Garland, be willing to take any action on any of it? Or would this be a case for a different forum entirely, such as a state prosecutor or even the world court, which has held trials for world leaders for mass murder and genocide before, though not obviously for an American president? Joining us now is my friend and colleague Tom Hartman, longtime talk show, uh, talk radio host, and New York Times best-selling author, whose latest is "The Hidden History of American Healthcare: Why Sickness Bankrupts You and Makes Others Insanely Rich." That is the latest volume from the Tom Hartman Hidden History series. Oh, Tom Hartman, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, Brad, it's great being here with you. Do such a great job. You're, you're it's been too long since we've talked. It has been a long time. Thank you, sir, and you're too kind. So first, uh, Tom, thank you, by the way, 
for actually beginning to build a case here for this. I, though I should note, you are not, at least to my knowledge, an attorney or a prosecutor. Why are you making the case uh, for what appears to be a case of mass murder by Donald Trump? Have you seen this case made elsewhere by any of uh, any of your, you know, any of our great legal minds out there? Any of your guests? To the best of my knowledge, I haven't, Brad. Um, I, 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 which baffles me. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, you quoted me saying, you know, if, if Obama, if a half a million people had died, or even one hundred thirty thousand had died unnecessarily on Obama's watch, yeah. um, we would never hear the end of it. I mean, it would literally be every day, every every single committee in Congress would be holding hearings peripheral to it or, or mm-hmm. central to it. There would be a special, uh, both in the House and Senate, you'd have special committees and panels with subpoena power. Mm-hmm. You'd have a grand jury looking into it. I mean, you know, justifiably, you know, Americans died. In, so what? Justifiably. I mean, you know, if that, if that kind of uh, death had occurred on a Democratic president's watch. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, four Americans died in Benghazi. And, and what did we get? You know, mm-hmm. uh, four years of, or more of, of uh, dozens of uh, committees investigating it and Hillary Clinton testifying for 11 hours and all this other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I just find it astonishing that the Democratic Party has um you know is, is taking such a soft approach to this it's just and 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 merrick garland you know as you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. i mean let's keep in mind Orrin hatch was the guy that obama went to obama wanted to get somebody on the supreme court with the votes of republicans back mm-hmm. then you know you needed 60 votes and uh he so he went to Orrin hatch mm-hmm. you know, the republican from utah kind of the grand old man of the Republican Party, and said, you know, give me the name of a, of a good federal judge that Republicans would go with. And Merrick Garland, although he was first appointed to the bench by Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. uh, you know, was a, a longstanding member of the Republican Party. And uh, mm. so, boom, we got yep. Merrick Garland, you know, for the court. And then I think Biden felt bad, and so he put him in charge of the DOJ, which was just a disastrous mistake, in my opinion. It sure does I mean, appear at, to be. You know, Michael yeah. Cohen... Michael Cohen goes rogue on Donald Trump, and in, and in just a matter of weeks, he's, his butt's in jail. Right. Right. But, uh, you know, and his butt's in jail along with an agreement from uh, both Michael Cohen and the prosecutor that it was Donald Trump who directed the conspiracy that Michael Cohen's butt is in jail for. I mean, Correct. it's it's mind blowing. Right, let me talk about your case here uh, that, you, that you're building here. And I hope others uh, join you in this. Of course, you know, COVID-19 obviously caught much of the world by surprise. But you make... Uh, including Donald Trump. But you make an interesting case here that for the first four months or so of the pandemic, that the president and his administration actually took it at least somewhat seriously. But then about four months into this thing, something very specifically changed almost in an instant, as you documented, Tom. Uh, Explain what they did at first and how you have sort of pinpointed their change in strategy that helps you make your case that this is, uh, as you describe it, negligent homicide at best and intentional murder at worst. Well, in in January, you know, we got our first case January 20th, and, and, you know, Trump thought he had it under control, and he was telling everybody, just take it easy. By mid-February, it was obvious that this thing was spreading across the United States. And by late February, early March, you were starting to see hospitals melting down, particularly in New York. And uh, at that point, Trump 
did what he should have done. You know, he said, okay, that's it. We're going to shut down the country. We're going to stop air travel. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, basically the skies went empty. (laughs) I mean, he just Mm -hmm. shut down the damn country. Right. And and it was the right step. And and Jared uh, put together a little band of 20-something preppies who were, you know, trying to source... (laughs) Uh, PPE and masks and things, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody, it was all hands on deck. And then on April 7th, and and this was, by the way, whacking the economy, which was very Mm -hmm. concerning to Donald Trump, because he knew that history shows that almost without exception, going back to the beginning of the republic, when there's an economic crisis, whoever is in the White House and whatever party controls the White House loses hugely in the next election. So, uh, you know, he was looking at his political mm-hmm. future as well. So anyway, on April 7th, um, this story hit the New York Times and the Washington Post the morning of April 7th, and it hit all the news uh, media throughout the day on April 7th on cable TV, and then it led the CBS, ABC, and NBC News the evening of April 7th. Mm-hmm. And the study showed that the people who were dying of COVID outside of old white people in, in nursing homes, which everybody already knew about, the vast majority of the people of working age who were dying of COVID were black. And, uh, you know, it, which shouldn't surprise anybody. Black people die at higher rates of pretty much everything than white people as a consequence of, you know, the 400 years of systematic segregation, slavery, racism, uh, you know, deprivation, uh, keeping people from having uh, economic power and political power and everything else. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, it just makes sense, right? Uh, black people die at higher rates of heart disease and diabetes, uh, you know, you name it. Mm-hmm. Pick a disease, you'll find it. But it was true of COVID, too. And that was like a what-the-hell moment <laughs> on the right. Yep. You know, the next day, April 8th, Rush Limbaugh goes on the air and says, Aha, I've been waiting for the racial component, and here it is. Blacks are dying more than whites. Um, and then that night on, on on Fox News, Tucker Carlson, who had been the, the the had actually in the previous weeks been talking about how we need to take this thing seriously, right? Right. Um, he'd been in fact one of the few on Fox News who was giving a thoughtful response to it. Uh, that night, he's got Brit Hume on, and Brit Hume says, "Well, it looks like it isn't as dangerous as we thought. Maybe it's time <laughs> to get back to work." Not not as dangerous as we thought, because only black people are dying uh, apparently, as exactly. they see it on Fox News. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then, you know, we learned this month later from some really great reporting in Vanity Fair, but that same week, um, Jared and, and Trump had had a conversation in the White House where they basically thought, okay, cool, black people are dying, and, we, and this is mostly hitting blue states. I mean, the mm-hmm. big outbreaks were in Washington State, New York State, Massachusetts, uh, New Jersey. Uh, you know, that was pretty mm-hmm. much it at that point in time. Um, because you had, you know, people coming in from China into Washington State, and you had people coming in from Italy into New York State, you know, through the New York airports, the New York metro area. And so, hey, you know, we can blame the blue state governors, and we can, and, and it's just, you know, it's not killing off white people. We can get the country back to work. Within a week, the uh, the right-wing Freedom Works group had, a, had a, a package together, a kit. They started, you know, they, of course, they're the ones who brought us the Tea Party. Mm-hmm. They started a whole brand new so-called grassroots movement of, uh, you know, let me go back to work, open the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't need no stinking mask, all this kind of stuff. You know, to, uh, advising people how to do it, organizing it, putting money into it, uh, providing people with information for signs, although they said, please make the signs homemade. It works better. <laughs> and and that was when we saw that, that, that month of April of last year, that was when we saw the entire Republican Party and, and the whole right-wing media machine along with it shift 
from, oh, my God, it's a terrible pandemic we've got to do something about, to, hey, we can, we can make our way through this. We need to get back to work. We need to get the economy back on track. Trump needs to get reelected. There's nothing to see here. That's when it happened. The, and I think that's criminal. Uh, and, and, I, and by the way, I would suggest that Fox News, Chamber of Commerce, Freedom Works, all the people that participated in this so-called Reopen America campaign that turned on a dime, as you say, uh, after this, uh, you know, data was first reported by the New York Times. I mean, I would suggest that these people are, you know, co-conspirators in this. Trump, you document uh, in in your piece how, you know, he had certain tools at his at his disposal. The Defense Production Act, for example, he could have ordered the production of things like uh, tests and PPE and so forth. Instead, at that point, he started doing things like reopening using the DPA, the Defense Production Act, to order the reopening of meat packaging plants and slaughterhouses that were largely staffed by, yes, Hispanic and, and black workforces and so forth. But around this uh, around the same time, Tom, uh, when many of these deaths were in these so-called blue states, New York, New Jersey, California, at some point, Donald Trump starts beginning things like liberate Michigan. Uh, and that, of course, leads to a kidnapping plot against its Democratic governor who had you know, put the state on lockdown and masking requirements. Vanity Fair, as Catherine Eben reported around the time, the political folks believed that because it was going to be relegated to Democratic states, that they could blame those governors and that would be an effective political strategy. And whether it's a, a polit- uh, an effective political strategy or not. You see this as more evidence that Trump was purposely willing to essentially kill people in states that simply don't tend to vote for him. That's correct. Yeah, I don't see how you can interpret it any other way, Brad. When when you uh, you know that article is studded with links to the mm-hmm. original sources, back to the actual clips of these people saying this, to the actual Freedom Works um, you know package kit of how to do this and and uh, the news stories at the time. And I, I just don't see how this data can be interpreted any other way. And I'm astonished that it's been, you know, laying on the ground yeah. for a year yeah. and a uh, year and a half now. And and nobody, I mean, there have been a few people uh, around the fringes who have pointed out pieces of it, like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Eban for Vanity Fair. But by and large, the media has been absolutely unwilling to go near this. And again, as I said, if, if this had happened on Barack Obama's watch, oh, yeah. It would be leading the news every single friggin' night. Which gets which gets us to uh, well some accountability. First, you describe uh, that the case that you're building here. You describe it as second degree murder. I haven't studied this enough to know this is second degree versus first because uh, essentially uh, the the argument here is that Donald Trump let it happen rather than specifically caused it. Is that the distinction? The second degree is is more that. Um, he he took an action mm-hmm. that caused the death of another person. Okay, but the specific intent was not to kill that specific person. So we started here, uh, or I did, uh, talking about Merrick Garland and uh, the lack of accountability that we are seeing brought against the Trump administration so far. But you point out that there are actually no federal homicide statutes. Is that I, I did not know that actually. Uh, so this would need to be a state well, prosecution. I- yeah, I know that that was the case a decade ago. I mean, it's possible okay. that we've gotten federal homicide laws since 9-11, but we did not have any before then. I believe there are none now, okay. um, which is why typically when the federal government comes in, like, you know, when they were prosecuting the guys who, who murdered uh, Schwarmer, Cheney, and Goodman down mm-hmm. in, in uh, Mississippi uh, in the 60s, 
they came in and prosecuted them for depriving them of their civil right to, to be alive mm-hmm. um, because there, there isn't a murder statute. Okay. And the murder statutes vary from state to state. So I used the murder statute from Florida. I uh-huh. quoted that in the article because that's Trump's residence. That's the state where he resides. I don't, I'm not holding my breath for you know, Ron DeSantis, no. the attorney general, to go after Trump. But um, <laughs> you know, you got to start somewhere. Right. Well, it's actually it might be good news uh, that, you know, that a state prosecutor could bring this case because obviously, well, it seems like we're not going to get much out of uh, Merrick Garland. So maybe a state prosecutor uh, could put, pick this up. Also, I think every state in the union. Yeah. If you had an attorney general, uh, you know, because there's every you, you have had deaths of minority members in every state in the union. Yep. And therefore, I think that there's no shortage of people or states or entities that would have standing to bring this. So, although, again, you know, I'm not a lawyer. So, right. You know, check this with somebody else. No, I know. And it's kind of shameful that, you know, we got a couple of uh, radio talk show hosts here trying to sort this out when this should be. Uh, it, it's, uh, when I saw you uh, writing about this and saying, you know, that you are trying to build this case here, I was like, yeah, well, thank you. Why hasn't anybody else done this? Because I've been thinking, you know, in the cl- closing months of the, the, the Trump administration that this was going to be picked up by someone, perhaps even the world court. Uh, would they be a proper forum for something like this? I mean, this is they've they've tried cases on mass murder. They've, uh, you know, and and by the way, we have seen prosecutions around the world for world leaders, uh, not just at the world court, but, you know, Italy, France, et cetera. It's only seems like here in the U.S. that we don't hold our top leaders accountable. But uh, would the world court be an appropriate uh, forum for any of this? I, I am no expert in this area, Brad, but uh, keep your eye on Brazil. The Brazilian Senate uh, just issued a 1,200-page report accusing Jair Bolsonaro of mm-hmm. mass murder and recommending that it be brought before the, the world court. Mm-hmm. Now, that that is uh, not yet an official document from the Senate. It's, it's basically from the opposition party in the Senate. And uh, it's become very contentious, and I doubt it's going to go very much farther, but but we'll see, um, you know, and, and but they're coming right out and saying it, you know, that Bolsonaro, mm-hmm. by doing exactly what Trump did on pretty much exactly the same timeline, is guilty of. And, and Brazil is, you know, they've had over 300,000 people die in Brazil. We're over 750,000. We are the two worst countries in the world because we had, mm-hmm. in both cases, leaders who actually encouraged people to go out and get themselves infected. So the case that they're bringing against Bolsonaro, uh, potentially, that is for COVID-related deaths? Yes, absolutely. And they're talking about bringing it before the world court. They're 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 talking hmm. about crimes against humanity. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of what I'm looking at here. I, I don't know how you describe it as anything but that. Uh, Tom Hartman, you're also calling for another U.S. House Select Committee, uh, I, I presume akin to the one we're seeing now with the uh, January 6th attack. Uh, have you asked any of your congressional guests? I know you have a, a lot of those folks uh, on your show. Have you asked them about that? And, 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 and if so, what was their response? Because... Uh, you know, we can't count on DOJ at this point to do anything, but Congress could, in as they're doing with January 6th, stand up and take some action, exactly as you suggested they did for years and years when four Americans died regarding Benghazi. Right. Now, I I haven't specifically brought this up with, uh, with any of the members of Congress who've been on my show recently, although, you know, I have no problem doing that. 
I doubt, though, that they would be able to say anything other than, well, yeah, it's a good idea, but, you know, you've got to take it up with Nancy Pelosi. This is entirely her choice. Um, you know, creating a select committee has to come out of leadership. So mm-hmm. That would have to be, you know, Nancy Pelosi or Jim Clyburn, um, you know, would have to be pushing, you know, driving that train. How about any uh, attorneys? Have you received any uh, pushback either for or against this? Oh, Tom, you're, you're, you're all wrong. You don't know anything about how this works, uh, you know, from attorneys. Uh, or have any of them jumped in to say, yeah, this is a good point. This needs to move forward. I was expecting that, you know. I mean, I, I published it at, at HarbinReport.com, but uh, it also got picked up in other websites, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Raw Story and Salon and Daily Coast and whatnot. And, and uh, you know, I went in and read the comments expecting somebody to point out to me that I had overlooked <laughs> some horrible thing because I'm not a lawyer um, because I, I just couldn't figure out, why, you know, why am I making this case yep. instead of, you know, uh, some former attorney general or something. And uh, to the best of my knowledge, nobody's punched a hole in it. Nobody has, has contradicted it. It's just a matter of a lack of political will. Wow. And, I, and, and it's like, you know, there's so many Democrats right now who are so timid, and, they're, and they don't want to piss off the Proud Boys, or they don't want to piss off the GOP. Or they, and, and it's like, forget about that. You know, do what's right. Yes. This, this guy killed a bunch of people, and he did it for political purposes. And he should be held accountable. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? Uh, it, it worked on the right when you had a, a right winger, when you had Rush Limbaugh speaking up and uh, talking out in his case about nonsense. It moved the country. So maybe it takes a Tom Hartman and a Bradcast, to, you know, to start raising noise about this, because at this point, apparently it's all we got. Uh, Tom, I got to I got to get out of here momentarily. But I know uh, your uh, latest Hidden History series book. I've got, by the way, two of them in my hands here. The Hidden History of of guns and the Second Amendment, the hidden history of the war on voting. Oh, I don't know anything about that one, Tom. But uh, <laughs> your newest one, the hidden history of American healthcare: why sickness bankru- bankrupts you and makes others insanely rich. Uh, very quickly, you got the elevator pitch for that one. And these are great books. They're little, tiny, easy to read books. What's the elevator pitch for the healthcare book, Tom? Well, there's there's two reasons why America is the only country in the world that doesn't have a national health care system. Um, the main reason from the 1880s uh, right up until the 1960s was that we had uh, politicians, mostly politicians in both parties, uh, white politicians. Who... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hang on, Tom. You're breaking... Tom, you broke up just a little bit. You said we had white politicians, okay. and then we lost you. So try again. Yeah, you still there? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Who who didn't want black people to have health care? It mm-hmm. was just that simple. And in mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, in eighteen eighty in eighteen ninety six, um, Frederick Hoffman published a book uh, called "Race Traits and Tendencies of the American Negro," in which he argued that blacks were genetically inferior to whites, and if we just deprived them of health and health care for a couple of generations, they would die out and it would solve the race problem in America. And that logic was literally used, uh, you know, at every, at every turn. When Teddy Roosevelt wanted a national health care system, they, they threw that at him. When Franklin Roosevelt wanted it, when Harry Truman wanted it, when John Kennedy wanted it. And that was why there's a, that's why there's a 20% hole in Medicare. Wow. So that, you know, black people in the South would not be able to afford that 20% copay to get into the hospital, into the hospital with the white people. Wow. And so, so that, pretty much, you know, that was from the 1890s until the 1960s. 
from the 1960 or really the 1980s. And, and then in 1983, Reagan stopped enforcing the Sherman Antitrust Act. And throughout the 80s, there was this huge um, consolidation in the health insurance industry mm-hmm. to, to the point where there's basically five or six companies that control the marketplace now. And they acquired so much political power combined with the Supreme Court, you know, Citizens United kind of decisions uh, that allow them to own politicians that, you know, basically since the 80s, we haven't had a national health care system because, you know, right now there's an industry that's making literally hundreds of billions of dollars a year, dozens, tens of billions of dollars a year in profits off our predicament. Uh, You can buy that book presumably via TomHartman.com. That's uh, The Hidden History of American Healthcare. Uh, By the way, Tom, some echoes in that description with what we're talking about in Donald Trump's COVID strategy. Oh, it's just going to be minorities who die. Unbelievable. Uh, Tom, well, last question before I let you go. I, I started this on Merrick Garland uh, in that call uh, with the, from John Bonifaz and, and, and free speech for people for him to step down. Do you think that that's what needs to happen at this point? Merrick Garland needs to resign? I'm not sure. I, you know, I'm, I'm willing to give him another week or two, but, I, <laughs> but I'm certainly leaning in that direction. I, it may be that he's just trying to very carefully, methodically build these really, really airtight cases, in which case, God bless him. On the other hand, uh, you know, there's still Trump hold, you know, Trump people in the Justice Department and law enforcement agencies in general tend to attract conservative worldview kinds of people. And so there's probably still a lot of Trumpies in the DOJ. We have no idea what the internal politics of this are like right now. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm very, very concerned about it. And I think that, you know, any way that people can reach out to their politicians and say, please rattle the cage over at the Justice Department is a good thing. Tom Hartman is, of course, the longtime talk radio host. He's the New York Times bestselling author. His latest book is The Hidden History of American Healthcare, Why Sickness Bankrupts You and Makes Others Insanely Rich. You can find that along with everything else Hartman-related at TomHartman.com. Also, his uh, Daily Rant newsletter is now available via the via HartmanReport.com, and he's on the Twitters at Tom underscore Hartman. Uh, Tom, my friend, always... Always great speaking with you, my friend. Uh, we, we don't do it enough anymore. I look forward to doing it again soon, sir. Thank you, Brad. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on. It's great talking with you. You bet. Keep up the good work. All right. We're going to take we're going to take a quick break here. And I'd love to come back with some of your calls. 818-985-5735 on any of this. I'd love to hear from you uh, if you'd like to ring in on this. Um, especially, by the way, uh, any attorneys out there who might have some thoughts on the case that Tom is making here against Donald Trump for mass murder, for mass homicide, second-degree murder in the way he dealt with the uh, with with COVID. And also, I would love to hear from you if you think that Attorney General Merrick Garland should resign at this point, as we discussed on our previous broadcast with uh, John Bonifaz, uh, or if Garland should not resign, should not step down at this point. If not, why shouldn't he? I know it's an embarrassment, of course, to the White House that we're even having this discussion, this conversation at all. But you know what? Oh, well. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is The Bradcast.
What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Tell me. Where do we go from here? Where do we? Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Our phone number is 818-985-5735. I have long argued that we, you know, wouldn't have had a Donald Trump had the Obama administration held the George W. Bush administration accountable for all of their crimes. They didn't hold anybody accountable, which is essentially, uh, you know, serves to lower the bar way down for what was acceptable from a presidential administration, paving the way, as I have argued, for a Donald Trump. If nobody ever pays the price for anything, if a president and his cronies are above the law, then things will only get far worse before they get better. I would love to hear your thoughts on Tom's case for second degree mass murder charges or negligent mass homicide against Donald Trump and his cronies for what they did in handling the covid crisis, as well as your thoughts on whether enough is enough. And Merrick Garland simply uh, is not up to the job at this point, with zero cases having been brought against uh, Trump or anybody in his administration for anything. You know, I had asked John Boniface when we talked to him on Friday, I said, is it possible that he's secretly working behind the scenes? After all, if you're investigating a crime, you're not supposed to be announcing that uh, publicly until you're ready to press charges. But as uh, Boniface pointed out, a lot of these cases were pretty much done. The conspiracy with uh, Michael Cohen, the, uh, you know, volumes of information from Robert Mueller about the 10 instances, at least, of obstruction of just uh, obstruction of justice by Donald Trump. Those, he said, could have been prosecuted almost immediately. 818-985-5735. We do have uh, a bit of breaking news uh, just before going to air that six more subpoenas are being issued by the U.S. House Select Committee investigating January 6th, including Trump's 2020 campaign manager, Bill Stepien. His former senior advisor, Jason Miller, John Eastman, the attorney who helped craft that argument that the election was stolen, that the vice president could call off the Electoral College if he wanted to. Michael Flynn has now been subpoenaed. He was involved in uh, meetings about how the Trump campaign wanted to promote the lie that the election was stolen. All of these folks were sort of involved in this Uh, This war room effort at the historic Willard Hotel near the White House from December of last year through January of this year, plotting essentially how to overthrow Joe Biden's election and to steal it for Donald Trump. They have all now been subpoenaed, as was Steve Bannon, who didn't reply to the subpoena, who's now been referred to the DOJ. And we've now been waiting for more than two weeks for any kind of action from the Department of Justice. 818-985-5735. Let me go to uh, Mike in Los Angeles. Hey, Mike, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, Brad, not to be repetitive, but I've said before on your program that uh, plotting to overthrow the government of the United States 
by force of violence is a federal law to which Trump should be answering. Be that as it may, uh, speaking on behalf of an attorney who cannot be here himself because he is too late, the late uh, Vince Bugliosi, mm. who prosecuted the Manson family, mm-hmm. put out a book, as I recall, uh, which advocated the prosecution of George W. Bush for murder. Yep. And included a, uh, a plan for how individuals in various states could bring the charges against him. And as I understand it, one of the reasons Mr. Bush has been loath to travel overseas since leaving the presidency is because he's afraid of being arrested and tried for war. Arrested elsewhere, arrested by other countries. Meanwhile, he travels about this country freely and no charges were ever brought against him, despite uh, Vince Bugliosi's book. Uh, You know, it seems that if you're an American president, you can get away with anything with impunity. And by the way, though, the folks on the right, I believe to be far, far, far worse uh, when it comes to, you know, the wars in in Iraq and Afghanistan under George W. Bush, when it comes to covid under uh, Trump. Uh, but, you know, there were calls during uh, Obama's uh, uh, administration for uh, uh, impeachment for war crimes related things. Fine. I have no problem holding presidents accountable. Apparently, the rest of the country does. And apparently, you know, the DOJ does. Apparently, there are no attorneys out there. How about states attorneys general who could bring charges for murder against Donald Trump? Mike, I appreciate the call, sir. Very good to hear from you. 818 985 KPFK. Uh, let me go to uh, where am I here? Let me go to uh, Brian in Temecula. Hey, Brian, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, Brian, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I can start out by telling you we are we are definitely not going to we're not going to see eye to eye, and that's fine. That's that's the whole point of a democracy. You have a chance to discuss things. Um, I do think Merrick Garland should be terminated, uh, but for different reasons. I, I have a whole letter to the FBI about concerning parents. Um, being deemed as domestic terrorist, that's that to me is what I think he's fired for. Yeah, he, they're, uh, they're not they're not deemed they're they're not deemed as domestic terrorist. That's that's just not true. That's a lie. He was concerned about the threats that have been made against uh, teachers, school board administrators, and so forth. Uh, they have not been deemed no domestic that. terrorists. That's absolute nonsense and Fox News noise. My other question for you is, do you agree with the Democratic Party, uh, Biden's administration, even though he apparently is completely unaware of it until as of uh, two days ago, where they're, the, the 450 per person coming across the border, they were separated by the previous administration. Do you agree with that, that we should be paying $450,000 if people came here and broke the law? Uh, when, when U.S. soldiers who died, when U.S. soldiers die, yeah. their families get a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I uh, well, uh, Joe Biden has said no, that's not going to happen. He says there is no four hundred fifty thousand dollars. I don't know but the. I don't. Hang on. Let me let me answer your question, Brian. Uh, I don't know that he said it's not going to be four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. But when you say they came here and they broke the law. They did not come here and break the law. These we're talking about people who came here, who turned themselves in for asylum, uh, which is not against the law. They had their children ripped from them. Their parents were separated from the children. I don't know what the uh, price should be for what we did to them. But if you're going to come on here and say that, Don, uh, hang on, I'll, I'll, I promised, 
Brian, I promise I'll let you respond. But if you're going to come on here and say that uh, Merrick Garland is claiming that parents are domestic terrorists, that's not true. That's a lie. If you're going to come on here and claim that uh, people coming here and lawfully seeking asylum in the U.S. have broken the law, that's also a lie. I can't let you do that, Brian. Where were they? Where are they coming from? From just from Mexico or from other parts of South America? Doesn't matter. Because the rules are doesn't matter. For seeking asylum for seeking asylum. The rules are you're supposed to go to the, the next bordering country to seek asylum, not skip through two or three other nah, countries. Not that I'm familiar with. Then if they, I want asylum in the United States. Th- that's those, not legal. That's not th- the legal process. No, 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 no. Those are those are rules that were created, that were invented by Donald Trump. Those are not laws. Those are rules that Donald Trump preferred. He tried to work it out with, with Mexico to do I that. Disagree with you. Okay, you're welcome I'm, to. I would disagree with you. You're welcome to. Yeah. All right. Thanks, so, Brian. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I have a, last, last question, last question. Yeah. When, when is this obsession on your guys' side with Trump going to be done? Is ten years from now, twenty years from now. My my guys is my guy. Wait, what, what do you mean by my? What do you mean by Trump? 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 All I ever hear. Well, I don't know what you mean by my guys is. I don't know what you mean by my guys is side. If you mean the side that is trying to protect democracy. If if you're trying to okay, Brian, if you're not going to let me talk, I try to let you talk. But, uh, yeah, if you're talking about uh, my guy's side trying to protect democracy, trying to keep hundreds of thousands of people from unnecessarily dying and calling out the person who is attacking democracy and has allowed hundreds of thousands of Americans to die, if that's my side, then, yeah, we are going to continue talking about it until we stop those things, until we save this country, and apparently until we save it from folks like Brian, who I guess hung up. Oh, well. Thank you for calling in, Brian. I do appreciate it. And I do hope you'll call back in the future. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. He said, hey, this is, you know, democracy. It's okay that we uh, uh, disagree. I think it is okay that we disagree. I'm sorry he decided not to stick around for the disagreement. Let's take a quick break here. We'll come back with uh, more of your calls. I know a lot of folks uh, are are lining up here. I want to get to as many as I can. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. I'm Brad Friedman, and you're listening to The Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is supporting you and the things that you care about. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber. Right now, as much as ever. If you choose to support us, you can do it really easily, safely, and quickly via bradblog.com donate. From Desi Doyen and myself... Thank you. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com taking your calls on accountability. Accountability for Donald Trump. Accountability for Merrick Garland at the Department of Justice. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. Uh, Des, uh, you had a good point during the break about uh, Brian calling asking, when are we when are we going to get over 
Get over those things that Donald Trump did. Get over those, uh, what are we, six, 700,000 Americans dead thanks to Donald Trump's uh, negligence. negligence. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's something my grandmother used to say. When do you stop blaming the arsonist? For burning down your house. Exactly. Yeah, just let it go. Just Don't let it burn. It. Move forward. Let it burn. Thank you, Desi Doyen. Uh, let's go to some more of your calls. Lynette in West Hollywood. Hey, Lynette, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, Brad. This is a good thing that I'm here coming out of our camp for uh, a, a change. And long time no talk to. Obviously, a pleasure talking to you. I've been saying this for the longest. When are we going to put Trump under uh, charges for treason and, and for endangering the lives of Americans by this virus, the way the response was dealt with? Mm-hmm. You know, he had Obama protocol, Obama Biden uh, protocol to, to uh, deal with regarding COVID, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He didn't do it because, you know, Obama and, and uh, Biden, they knew about uh pandemic. They had to deal with uh, Ebola. Yep. But what did Trump do? He ignored it all together, just like he ignored all those intelligence reports, and we are paying for it. I he, mean, literally, with our lives, because his his disregard for the truth and for democracy and for the lives of American people. Yep. And I'm just so glad that this is coming out to the fore and that you're putting this on, on, on blast like you are. And we're going to have to make these people accountable, even the Bushes, all of them. Clinton's all of them. Yeah, but Lynette, Lynette, come on. Waiting on this. Lynette, come on. When you, good work, y'all. When are you, Lynette, when are you going to let it go? Just, you know, let it go. Poor Trump. By the way, uh, you mentioned uh, treason. Uh, what, what What's your charge of treason against Donald Trump? Huh? What, what You said uh, Trump should be held accountable for treason. What did he do to commit treason, as you see it? Well, you know, they he sells this out to the pharmaceutical company. All right. You know. Everything. All right. Please. All right. Thanks, Lynette. I, I've got to run. I've got a Thank lot of callers. You. I appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Let me go to Suzanne in West Hollywood. Hey, Suzanne. Welcome to the broadcast. Hi, Brad. How are you doing? Hanging in. <laughs> That's good. I wanted to respond to that gentleman. Um, you know, I feel like in addition to the murder charges, I don't know whether, you know, uh, uh, you know whether someone would take that on. But why not charge him with uh, class action um, for intentional or negligent uh, negligence of emotional distress? I can hmm. think uh, just personally of at least five from myself and people that I know, um, uh, people that have lost their jobs due to Donald Trump's um, incompetence yeah. uh, with regard to COVID. Um, I myself, uh, my father passed. Uh, this may of uh, not of COVID with uh, mm-hmm. of complications, uh, you know, due to old age, I was not able to see him because my my group was, uh, you know, 50, mm-hmm. 64 as opposed to 65 and up. And I can't help wondering whether I would have been able to see him had Donald Trump um, uh, handled the COVID crisis better. Um, and I know also somebody else in my building who's dealing with the very same thing. Um, and then on top of that, you have to think of people, not just who died of COVID, but people who were turned away from hospitals because the hospitals were overcrowded mm-hmm. with the people. Yeah. COVID. Those are three causes of action right there. Yeah. 
um, that Donald Trump, uh, you know, could be charged for. Those, of course, um, would be I, civil suits. I'm not an attorney, so I, I don't know what it would take to bring such a civil suit, uh, such a class action. I hear you. I mean, at this point, the entire nation uh, has emotional distress uh, from right. that guy from those four years, whether that is actionable in court. I do not know, but I do appreciate the thought, Suzanne. We got to talk about this stuff, or you know, apparently we have to. Radio guys like Tom Hartman and me have to talk about it to even get the attention of attorneys to bring some accountability. Thanks, Suzanne, and and I'm sorry about uh, the loss of your father. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Uh, let me go to Matt in Santa Maria. Hey, Matt. Uh, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Oh, hello. Um, uh, real quick. Yep. I, you know, I'm encouraged that uh, people like Brian listen, but, you know, I encourage them also to kind of do a little more research before, I mean, to ask, are these people only from Mexico? No, and you don't, I mean, you're not going to go from Honduras and apply for asylum in Mexico if you don't want asylum in Mexico. No, there is no law. You can you can go anywhere you want and make an asylum claim. You may not be successful. You may not get it. But it is not illegal to go into a country and to show up uh, at the border and declare asylum. That is, uh, uh, you know, world law, that international law. So I don't know what, you know, Brian's been watching uh, or listening to. Yeah. Well, I can only imagine. Um but this isn't like a game of sorry or so. Oh, you've got to go to each country and seek asylum in order to go on to the next <laughs> one and get finally to the country that you want the sub. And then another thing is, yeah. please, sir, figure out, not you, him, yeah. figure out what day it is before you come popping off about this. A waste of your time, a waste of our time. Uh, you know, it needs to be like the ride at the amusement park. You know, you have to be this tall. Your IQ has to be at least this tall. Well, is it, enough of that. Uh, we're, Matt, uh, thank, I appreciate that call, brother. Let me fit in one or two more here. Uh, the, anyone is uh, there? Welcome to call. I'm glad to hear from people who don't agree with me. As a matter of fact, I prefer to hear from people who don't agree with me. It's much more fun. Uh, very quickly, let's see if we can run through a few more. Uh, and again, sorry, Doogie calls in late from Chicago. But hey, Doogie calling from Chicagoland. Welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Hi, Brad. So I think we need to realize that um, Tom Hartman did a show uh, a segment on Merrick Garland's background, and he is actually not a liberal. He's not even a centrist. And if you look at his background about who he came up with and who supports, mm -hmm. he really kind of supports Trump. Now, the thing is that if we remember that Obama appointed a, a, a nominee and they said, no way. So he said to the Republicans, give me someone that will be acceptable. And they brought up Merrick Garland. So this is actually a Republican uh, person that they liked. Mm. And he appointed them just to call their bluff. And then they just stalled on him. Yeah. So we need to realize that. But the thing is also, Tom did a, I remember Tom saying a little something on his show where he lived in D.C. for a period of time. Yeah. And he said that the politicians live in their own little bubble. Yep. And it's just a war between themselves, and they just don't, you know, there's, a, there's the good old boys club, and they're just going to do their own little thing, and they ignore us, well, the constituents that put them there. Let's burst the bubble, Doogie. Thank you, brother. I appreciate yes. the call. Good to hear from you, my friend. Uh, very quickly, very quickly, Karen A. in Anaheim, uh, go. You're on the broadcast. 
there. Well, first of all, I'm so happy to hear my two favorite radio guys on the radio, Tom Hartman and yourself. Um, second of all, in response to Brian, um, sounds like he's been watching Fox News yep. because Biden is not giving $400,000 to every migrant. Um, that's not true. Uh, that's some Fox News spewing like point that is getting <laughs> Facebook ads or Facebook posts everywhere. Mm-hmm. What's actually happening is, is that is the uh, so many lawyers, civil rights lawyers, people's rights lawyers have made cases against the United States of America for uh, separating families mm-hmm. and some children died, experiencing sexual abuse, all that stuff. Yep. The cumulative um, settlement evens out to about, you know, up to forty four hundred thousand dollars for each person affected by that. Mm. Um, so it's not Biden taking taxpayers' monies and being like, you know what, I love, um, you know, for Fox <laughs> News people, oh, I love brown people and immigrants so much, I'm just going to give them money. Thanks. That's not what's happening. Thank <laughs> you for clarifying that, Karen. I really do appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, how unusual. Fox News running with false information like that and confusing the nation. Sorry, Brian. Uh, one more here. Thanks for that call, Karen, and for those kind words as well. Uh, of course, we got to close with our friend Mo from Long Beach. Oh, Morris, how are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic, bad. Good, good conversation, you and Tom. Check this out. Inherent contempt inherent contempt i was listening to mr gary colony the uh, democratic congressman for virginia mm-hmm. this is the old guy he's saying we don't have much time but they want congress to vote and go ahead and empower the sergeant of arms and let him take care of business we don't need the doj have a nice day my brother thank you my brother uh, i've asked about that i've asked congress people about that they said they'd have to clean out the jail down in the uh, there is one in the congress that they could use they might have to clean it out and uh, make it work again. They haven't used it for about a hundred years for inherent contempt. Be nice if Merrick Garland did his job instead. Anyway, got to get out. My thanks to our producer Desi Doyen, to my board op today, Mark Maxwell. Smartly done, Mark. Thank you, sir. And of course, to my uh, guest, our friend, radio host, author, all-around good egg, Tom Hartman. And to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program. Download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. You can also drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. I will see you there until we see you here, hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Oh,